On today's show, should the Houston Rockets entertain pursuing Zion Williamson if the Pelicans are looking to trade him? What would it ultimately cost for the Rockets to get their hands on Zion? We'll take a look at the pros and the cons. Is it something they should even remotely consider with Zion's injury history? We're going to unpack all of that and more coming right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Drop your thoughts on the Rockets potentially pursuing Zion Williamson in the YouTube comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. And with every purchase you make, when you use that code LockedOnNBA, you'll get a free Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler that I have right here. It is really nice. I drink coffee out of it. It's great. Go, go check them out. Uh, lots to unpack on today's episode. I've been down in the dumps. I've been super sick. So I am, I'm back in the saddle. <clears throat> I might cough a few times through the episode. I'm so sorry. I'm mentioning it beforehand. I will try my best to mute, but they they are sneaking up on me. I have like, I completely lost my voice. So I'm working back from that, but it's just the most inopportune time for that to happen. A lot to unpack. And I want to start with the Zion stuff. There's a lot of Rockets news in the stratosphere. So I'm dropping a Saturday episode. I'm dropping a Sunday episode to make up for the missed episodes earlier this week. If you're an everydayer, Thank you for being every day or thank you for making the show part of your day every day. I'm sorry I wasn't there earlier this week. <laughs> um, let's get into the Zion stuff because the Pelicans, there have been, there's been reporting that the Pelicans are at least exploring trade opportunities with Zion Williamson, right? And they've been, expl- they've been linked to trying to get a top pick in the draft, number two, number three, the rumor, the rumors, the reporting is pointed towards them potentially wanting to acquire Scoot Henderson and what it would ultimately cost for the Pelicans to move up in the draft to get him. But is there an avenue there where if they are potentially willing to move up to, say, spot number four, where the Rockets are at, what would a deal look like? And should the Rockets even remotely consider going after a guy like Zion? So we're going to start with the positives first. Then we'll get into some of the negatives and and what a deal would ultimately look like. And then we'll kind of wrap things up with whether or not it makes sense for the Rockets. Because I think there are arguments on both sides of the aisle here. And I'm going to try in good faith to present both sides without painting what I think the Rockets should do until we get to the third segment. So you can get through the show and tell me if I do a good job on this. Because if I present the facts correctly, then you shouldn't be able to tell which side, which side I'm leaning, at least, if I do my job, right? So let's start with the positives. Why would the Rockets consider trading for Zion? Um, 
when he's healthy, he is a top 10 player in the entire NBA. Uh, he's a dominant scorer. He's easily someone that you can build an entire team around, right? He is an offensive engine. He is the best player on a contending team. Like all of the above, right? Let's go to the season where he was healthy and put up insane all-star level numbers. 27 points, seven rebounds, almost four assists, about a steal a game in 33 minutes a night on insane efficiency too is the best part. Like his efficiency, his efficiency was through the roof. I want to make sure I get this right. I had it saved. Uh, yeah, 65, 65% TS is just absurd for a guy who basically is, you know, a jumbo sized wing. Now, one of the reasons that the Rockets would entertain this is this type of player does not come along often, right? This type of, the type of player that Zion is, they don't grow on trees, right? And to be able to win at the NBA level, you need basically a top 10, top 15 guy on your team. You need one of them. It helps if you have a couple of guys like that, but you need at least one of them. And these are the types of swings that a team like the Rockets and the position that they're in have to take because it's either take a massive swing on a guy like Zion if he is truly available, if the Pelicans are fielding calls and, you know, open to the idea of moving him. Or you basically just rely on drafting guys like that and hoping that guys can turn into what Zion is when he's healthy, right? There's a there's a hope in the fan base that Jalen Green can become a guy like that or that Jabari can become a guy like that or that Shingun can become a guy like that, right? But at this point, those are young guys and while they all have respect, you know, high ceilings and they have a chance to become great players, we don't know ultimately what their ceiling is. Whereas we know that when Zion is healthy, he is a top 10, top 15 player in the entire NBA, zero question about it. And he's insanely young, and there is still a possibility that he gets his career back on track and that the Pelicans could be looked at as complete fools for trading him regardless of the type of haul that they might get for him. And it would look like a total mistake on their behalf if he gets traded to a team and he suddenly get, and he gets healthy and he is just a dominant force, right? It would look really, really bad for the Pelicans and it would look really great for the team that got him, right? It's one of those insanely high risk, high reward plays, but it's something that could pay off greatly if you're the Houston Rockets. Now, I do want to get into what the trade would ultimately look like, some of the cons, some of the side effects, some of the other stuff to consider in this. But when you look at it, I mean, Zion is what the Rockets have yet to find in, in this rebuild, right? The Rockets don't have a guy yet, right? Paolo Bancaro probably would have been that guy. You put the ball in his hands, let him do his thing. Offensive engine is kind of the terminology that we throw around a lot. And the Rockets still don't have that guy. There was a hope, right? Everybody in the Scoot Henderson camp sees Scoot Henderson as that guy. Amon Thompson might be able to be that guy, but he's probably a bit further away from being that guy. And it's probably going to take a couple years for him to get up to speed at the NBA level. So that'd be, you know, kind of the 
slow play it route if you just wanted to keep pick number four and draft him. So it's not that the Rockets don't have other avenues to get that guy. I do want to share one more thought about those types of players and how infrequently they become available. And I want to share that on the other side here in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Look, you got to go check out Bird Dogs. They are the most comfortable shorts you will ever own. I guarantee you that. I wasn't a big shorts guy. I really never wore shorts that often outside. You know, I'd wear shorts to the gym or whatever. I wear my bird dogs out and about hanging out with friends or they can, they're versatile. You can wear them to a beach day, to a pool party, whatever. You can swim in them. You could, they're nice enough that you could get away with wearing them on a date. They are comfy. They're flexible. The soft fabric, they look great. All of it, right? You can go check them out at birddogs.com and when you use promo code locked on NBA, so visit birddogs.com slash locked on NBA, use the promo code locked on NBA. They will throw in a super fancy Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So go check them out. Go visit birddogs. Use promo code locked on NBA. Get yourself a Yeti style tumbler with every single purchase of amazing bird dog shorts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, the other point that I wanted to bring up that I didn't get to in segment one is these types of players, the types of players that Zion is, are, whatever, words, those types of guys do not come around often, right? We talk all the time about having the stash of Brooklyn Nets picks to be able to cash in on the next, you know, distressed asset, you know, disgruntled star, whatever, all of that. And that's exactly what Zion currently is, that his stock is pretty low because of his lack of played games, his off the court drama, uh, concerns about, you know, frankly, just his basketball desire to win at a high level. All of those, those are all, and those are all gigantic red flags. Like, I'm not going to gloss over them. Those are, and we're, we're going to address those here in this segment. But I do think there's this, like, idea that, oh, well, you have the cap space and you just go pursue a, you know, a big name free agent. A lot of the signs are pointing to the fact that James Harden might stay in Philadelphia, right? Like it was like the foregone conclusion for so long that the Rockets were going to be a slam dunk to get James, but they don't want to fork over all that money. Most big name free agents, most legitimate top 10, top 15 guys in the NBA rarely, if ever, actually make it to free agency, right? Most of those guys, they get traded, they get dealt, or they facilitate and figure out wherever they want to go next. They control their own destiny by and large. And this situation is very unique because it presents the opportunity to acquire a potential 10, top 10, top 15 guy. Uh, not exactly on the cheap, mind you, but being able to get a type of, you know, a player like that does not come around often, which is why you have to at least consider it. And I know for a fact that internally the Rockets have considered what it would take to acquire Zion that they've kind of, you know, kicked the tires on the idea, essentially, if you will. So what would it look like, right? I want to get into some of what the deal would look like, but let's highlight the rest of these negatives here, right? Because there are a bunch of positives to, to why you would potentially want to trade for Zion. What are the negatives, though? 
he's unhealthy. <laughs> That's obvious. Um, mentioned the, you know, potential lack of desire. It's very kind of Ben Simmons-esque, right? In some of, uh, you know, he's had the injury issues, but the injury issues are a component of his inability to take care of his health and to keep the weight off of his body, which shows a lack of dedication, desire. And there's been, you know, a lot of reporting when you talk to, you know, anybody in the New Orleans market and stuff about Zion and, you know, his desire, inability to focus on his rehab and his body and, you know, basically staying in, staying in better shape so that he can prevent injuries from happening, right? A guy with his, you know, rare blend of size and explosiveness, you're going to have some just injury, freak injuries are going to happen, right? You're not going to be able to, you know, 100% prevent any injury from happening to him ever. But at the same time, if he was able to shed some of the weight, then it would make it a lot easier for him to take less of a toll on his body, the way that he plays and the style that he plays, right? So these are all absolutely huge major red flag concerns. And when you look at the games played, man, Zion has played a total of 114 games through four seasons. Through four seasons, he's played 114 games. He is still technically, by games played, a sophomore after four years in the NBA. That's a lot of missed games, man. That is a lot of missed time. To put that in, in perspective, Joel Embiid, through four seasons played, uh, played 94 games, and still hasn't cracked 70 games in a season. Despite winning MVP this most recent season, he missed the first two years of his career, and then, <clears throat> pardon me, Missed the first two years of his career, played 31 games, then played 63 games. And it's basically, you know, 60-ish games, a couple 50-game seasons, and then a couple more 60s. Hasn't cracked 70 games for his career yet. Embiid still struggles with, with injuries, right? It's probably never something that is going to completely go away in Zion's career. But with as good of a player as he is, if you could get Zion to a place where he's, you know... 60-ish games a season, 65, 70. I think that's a total win for the type of player that he is and the on-the-court production that he provides and basically having to, you know, kind of anticipate that he's going to miss some time out of the year. I think you live with that based on his age, you know, all, you know, all the different factors. So ultimately, what would a deal look like for Zion? That's kind of the big selling point here is how much would it cost for the Rockets to potentially go after him. I think any deal for Zion has to be centered. One, it's going to be centered on the number four pick. That that much is obvious. Um, how much more past the number four pick? It would have to be the number four pick and probably one of any of Jalen, Jabari, or Shingoon at a bare minimum. So, Two premier assets, right? So the number four pick, a chance to pick whoever you want out of the draft outside of the top three guys that are all going to go. 
and and obviously still a chance that maybe Scoot or Miller or whatever, one of them falls to number four. So that's still a distinct possibility. So maybe some draft night fireworks, that kind of thing. A young blue chip prospect in Jalen or Shingun or Jabari. And then potentially maybe even future draft capital on top of that, right? Maybe you dip into the Nets picks a little bit. Uh, I do believe the Rockets, some of the Rockets picks, the really, really far out ones, start becoming trade eligible again on July 1st, maybe it is. Um, Some of the picks start to become available again. So maybe you dip into like a really far out pick that, you know, is super juicy because it's super far away. I'm not sure how much would be the right amount and I'm not sure what the Pelicans would demand in any potential Zion trade. But again, if the Pelicans are even remotely exploring trades for Zion, that is a huge, that is another huge red flag, right? Because it kind of shows that they are unsure about their ability to get him right, right? That they're not sure about, you know, his injury history, his future ability to play games, his Again, his desire, all these different red flags that we've raised here, the Pelicans internally know way more about it than anybody on the outside. And if they're, if there's reporting that they are looking at potentially moving him, then it's because they might have basically crossed a threshold where they're like, yeah, we're kind of done with this, right? Like they've had a lot of success without Zion. So if you trade Zion and you get pieces back that gives you like 70% of what Zion gives you when he's actually available or you know, whatever, you wait, whatever. You basically money ball Zion into other parts, right? You shore up different parts of your roster. You commit that money, that talent, all of that elsewhere, plug up the different holes in your roster. That team could be really, really good and they wouldn't even need Zion to do it. So that's why the Pelicans are even remotely exploring the, you know, offers at this point for him and why, you know, it possibly makes sense for them to move on from him. I want to get into my official thoughts on whether or not I think it's a good idea, bad idea for the Rockets and, you know, what it would potentially look like him here in Houston, the fit alongside some of the current players. We're going to get to that in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, right? You're trying to go out and have a good time. You shouldn't be worried about how you're going to get your tickets or whether you got to print them or they're coming via email, all that, right? It's it's a mess, right? Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. They've got flash deals on last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They've got images of the seat view so you know exactly the type of bang that you're getting for the buck that you are spending. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account use code locked on nba to save 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right. Laid out the groundwork, the the pros, the cons, and I do want to briefly hit on really quick the fit and what Zion would actually look like in Houston, right? Mentioned early on, he addresses one of the biggest needs for the Rockets, which is an offensive engine, right? A primary creator. Now, he's not a point guard, no, but he is 
a go-to de facto number one option. It's not like a, oh, Jalen can be the number one option, but he like probably also needs a point guard to like help set him up. And, you know, it's, it's just, he is your blanket number one guy, right? What would it look like in Houston, right? Now, obviously, depending on which major piece you might have to give up, whether it's Jalen, whether it's Jabari, whether it's Shingun to acquire him, that changes the calculus a little bit on what he would look like. I think the biggest question mark is, could he coexist with Shingun? And part of me says yes, and part of me says no. The part that says yes is because two talented, high IQ players with a ton of gravity about them can succeed because Shingun's passing should be able to unlock stuff with Zion's explosive athleticism and his ability to cut. And you look at how KJ Martin plays off of Alper and Shingun and like those two have a dynamite chemistry with one another, right? Imagine the inverted three, five pick and roll that KJ runs with Shingun where KJ sets the screen and rolls to the rim and Shingun throws it over the top and KJ yams at home and it's beautiful every single time they run it. Imagine that, but with Zion Williamson like 10 times a game. That would be insane, right? So there's that side of it. The flip side is for Zion and for Shingun to really prosper as players, you need to, you in today's NBA, you need to surround those guys with shooting, Right? You either need to surround them with shooting or if you're not, if you're going to have two guys that aren't really great shooters, then the other three shooters on the floor have to be damn good shooters, uh, i.e. look at the Sacramento Kings and the fact that De'Aaron Fox, who actually did improve as a three-point shooter, and DeMontis Sabonis, they run the majority of actions through those two guys and, you know, a lot of two-man game between those two guys and then a lot of action being run explicitly through Sabonis at the elbows rather than on the perimeter. Because what happens if you have a non-shooter on the court, it clogs everything up, right? One of the reasons that Jokic is so dominant at what he does as a passer, and if you watch any, even five minutes of the NBA Finals, you saw how Jokic would be at the top of the key on the perimeter and Bam had to go out and check him at the three-point line because he's a greater than a 40% three-point shooter in the playoffs. And that opened up all the passing lanes, all the backdoor cuts, all the off-ball actions for the Nuggets to slice and dice the Miami Heat defense. That doesn't happen if the big is able to drop all the way down in the paint and close off those passing lanes with a huge wingspan, right? It it shuts down, it clogs things up, it mucks up the offense. So if Shingun can suddenly shoot the ball, then it doesn't matter. If Zion suddenly develops a three-point shot, it doesn't matter. But having two guys that are non-shooters, it it can you know be a little bit problematic for an offense. So on one side, I think it works. On another side, I think maybe it doesn't. As far as potential fit goes, and then playing alongside you know any one of Jalen or Jabari, obviously Zion would make life a ton easier for those guys. I hit the point previously about the red flag that if the Pelicans are looking to trade him, then it means that they might have, they're potentially at a point where they're ready to, where they've crossed the threshold of giving up on the idea of rehabilitating him, right? Getting him to a place where he's healthy or where they think that he is bought in and can be the best guy. (coughs) Sorry, (coughs) man. Okay. Or where he can be the best guy on a championship quality team, right? And that is a red flag. However, sometimes, and we've seen this time and time again in the NBA, sometimes all you need is a change of scenery. Sometimes 
the you go to the right team and you have a different training staff looking after you, you have different voices, you grow and change as a person, right? Zion, who he is right now, might 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 is not gonna be the same Zion we have in two to three years, right? He's still just a kid. He's still just growing and figuring out who he is. Same stuff with Kevin Porter Jr., right? KPJ, two, three years ago, right, was, you know, a completely different person than who he is right now, and he's still growing and maturing and all that stuff. All these guys are. So a lot of these factors might not necessarily be issues down the line, but they're issues presently. It's just whether or not the Rockets are able to do the required amount of vetting to kind of, you know, peek behind the curtain and dig behind the scenes and see, okay, like, you know, let's, let's reach out, let's talk to people, let's, let's, you know, figure out Zion's circle, let's figure out the crowd he's with, let's figure out what people are saying about him, let's do some digging and see what people within the organization are willing to say about, about his, you know, everything going on, right? And figuring out if it's a smart move or not. For me, I stand on the side of, I think it'd be a bad move. And it's really hard to sit here and because again, the, the Rockets are a team that needs to take these types of home run swings, which is why I can see an argument on both sides, right? I can see arguments for and arguments against the idea of trading for Zion, especially if the cost is, you know, even just starting at the number four pick and one of Jalen Jabari or Shingun, like that's a lot to want to part with for a guy that has played less than a season and a half of basketball. It's a lot. It's a lot to give up for a guy who may never be healthy again. Conversely, you could also give that up for a guy that is a, you know, 10 plus year top 10 player in the NBA, all NBA caliber guy who could be the guy that leads you to a championship one day. That's the kind of swing that you're taking. So when you look at it, it's like trying to weigh the two. It's like how much, how strongly do you believe in the number four pick, whoever they take with it, right? Whether it's Amon Thompson, Asar, Cam Whitmore, whatever. How strongly do you believe in that player panning out plus one of whoever out of Jalen, Jabari, or Shingun also panning out and those two players together at a minimum, how great of a chance of that happening versus the chance of Zion actually getting healthy and getting to a place where he can play roughly 75% of a season and stay healthy through the season and the postseason and, and lead a team and be the number one option like he was in year two with the Pelicans, all that, right? You're weighing those two possibilities next to each other. And for me, I think that I've seen enough out of Jalen and Shingun for sure, and I'm still very internally high on what Jabari can be, to where I think I'm not ready to quite give up on one of those two, one of the, any of those three guys just yet, unless it's just a too good of a deal to pass up on. There's just a lot of risk in making a move for Zion. So for me, I don't think it'd be a smart move for the Rockets. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on it. I want to know. This is a this has been a raging topic amongst Rockets fans. So give me your thoughts. Drop them in the YouTube comments. Should the Houston Rockets pursue Zion Williamson? Would it make sense? What would you be comfortable giving up in a trade for Zion? Drop it in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. 
Search Locked and Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to all the everydayers. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.